Reading from Jeremiah, chapter 29, 1 to 7. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jenachiah, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent to by the hand of Elisha, son of Shaphram, and Gemariah, son of Hilakiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may hear that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Here ends the reading. Be the gods. Uh, well, in the, in the Babylon of COVID-19, uh, Katie and I... <laughs> Katie and I invested in uh, learning to make much better coffee. Uh, now, I, I'm someone that likes to deep dive and camera will vouch for this 150% into anything and figure it all out completely. Uh, Katie is someone that likes a formula and likes to follow instructions. And so when she followed the instructions I gave her yesterday and the coffee was... It was all right. It was drinkable. Like, you'd probably go back to the shop, but maybe... Not often. She makes, you should see her latte art that leaves mine for dead. <laughs> uh, she, she's like, well, what's wrong? I put in exactly this amount of coffee and I got out this amount of coffee and I got it out in this amount of time. And why doesn't it taste good? I said, I don't know. When it, when it made a coffee, it did exactly the same thing. <laughs> and it came out and it was amazing, wasn't it? I've, I've, I've got the microphone here. I've got the power. The latte art was pretty average. It, um, it, hers looks like this perfect heart. Mine kind of looks like a, an old saggy bum. <laughs> but that, that's all right. That, that's, that's where it lands. Uh, and she said, why, why doesn't it work the, the way it's meant to work? I thought you just do this exact thing and it should produce a good coffee every time. Uh, the, the truth is that there's lots of different factors. There, there's the, the water, the, the temperature, the day had moved on, it was no longer as cold. There's lots of different factors that can uh, influence what you actually get out. And so when you go to a good coffee shop, they're continually adjusting for the different environmental factors. But... When you get that one shot of coffee that is the, the golden shot of coffee, you, you go back and you, you keep trying for the next 20, 30 shots just to get one just like that one. And you can't 100% figure out why it doesn't work. It's similar, uh, I said to Katie the other day, it's similar to golf. 
you can have really good technique. And you can, you can sort of, you can line the ball up perfectly and you can, you can hit it perfectly and don't look up like I just look to see where it goes. It, it, it doesn't work out well. But you may not have accounted well for the, the wind. You may not have picked the right club. And you may land on, a, on an awkward spot or a rock and it just shoots your ball off in a direction that it wasn't meant to go. And so when I used to play golf with my grandpa, I could hit it three times as far as him and he'd always beat me in the hole because he'd figured out consistency and what that looks like. When you hit a good shot in golf and you land it on the green or close to the pin or you do a really good part, you end up coming back next week because of the feeling that you got when you hit the ball that way. Uh, with coffee, you come back and you keep making coffee, searching for that one coffee that tastes just as good as that previous one. Now, as Christians, when we look at evangelism, we give it one go. We go, no, that's, that's not my gift. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, with evangelism, it's a, it's a skill we need to grow in. It's something that we learn and are taught. Uh, but it's also something we do uh, when we tell people about Jesus, evangelism. When we tell people about Jesus, we do it in an environment that's continually changing. We, we do it with people uh, that are all different, uh, depending on the day of the week or the time of the day. And we're, we're hoping for that beautiful shot of coffee or that hole-in-one and when we experience not that, we can get really discouraged. And a lot of the time I'll speak to Christians and they'll say, I've invited all my non-Christian friends and they've said no. Uh, so evangelism, maybe it's not just for me. Do, do you know what happens where, when you have that conversation with the one person and they come to faith? That's enough to continue a lifetime of wanting to tell other people about Jesus because you know that it works. You know Jesus has changed your life, but God can actually use you. Now, you know, when you hit golf or when you make coffee, there's environmental factors that influence it. But when you do evangelism, you, we know that the heart of God is to take lost people and bring them to a place of being found. And the humility of God is to use people like us. That's his method in life. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to invite Gaylene Harrow up, who's going to share with us a few stories. Uh, we've got lots of cards in the foyer that is a tool that she's used in her journey of faith to reach out to people with the love of God. So I'm going to invite Gaylene to, to come up. And she is going to tell you a little bit about her, herself and uh, she's going to share some stories with you as to how God has worked through life. So thanks so much, Gaylene. Why don't you put your hands together and thank her for coming and joining us. Thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you. Um, my name's Gaylene Harrower. Um, I um, am the wife of the ex-Bishop of Tasmania. Um, we came back to Melbourne about five years ago. Um, the, it was not a church going to a church, but a person witnessing to us that caused us to do a Bible study. We were uh, in our um, 
20s, we were married, my husband and I, and we were climbing up the ladder to mobile oil. Um, we were definitely getting to the top of mobile oil. He was a chemical engineer. And then it was somebody who we, we were talking to at a dinner, and he happened to mention that he was waiting for God to tell him or show him what he wanted to do next, what, he, what God wanted him to do next. And I asked him, oh, can you explain that? And uh, he said he was a Christian, and he said, are you a Christian? That takes courage. But because of that man asking us if we'd like to come to his place to discuss how you could become a Christian, and uh, we did that, and then he asked us to do a Bible study. Now, it was that one man's witness uh, that led us to have our whole world turned upside down and our life has been a blessed life of, of great love for the Lord and, and he's never let us down. We served with the Church Missionary Society for nine years. We took our two small children into a civil war area where many thousands of people were disappeared and killed, mainly university students, and they were the ones we went to work with. We were there during an international war, three or four attempted military coups, and we were taken hostage for a short period of time. And in that time, God never let us down. And a big part, we believe, of, of his grace and love and protection of us and our small children was because people back here in Melbourne were holding the ropes. Churches like yourselves who support the Church Missionary Society missionaries. And here's your missionary, Joe. Joe sorry, Zoe, from uh, the, working in the Northern Territory. And I'm sure she's very much aware of your prayers and support. And there are people who support the Church Missionary Society individually. When we came back to Australia, we realised it was our turn to hold the ropes, to pray for the missionaries, to give. And I decided to start a small business and I prayed before the Lord. I wanted to raise money for CMS, but I wanted it to be a special business. So we um, have sent to the Church Missionary Society from our $2.50 cards and our 90 cents Christmas cards, plus donations that people have given us. In seven and a half years, including the two years of the COVID, we've sent $49,000 to CMS. 100% of the money goes to CMS because my friend and her husband and my husband and I pay for all the ingredients. We want to be able to stand before you and say 100% goes to the Church Missionary Society. Now, why cards? Why have I got this business uh, selling cards? Because cards add grace in a very graceless, sad, stressed society. I have never ever seen an um, email on a mantelpiece, but I see cards and they stay for a long period of time. And they are a symbol of people's interest in them and concern for them, particularly when they are not family members. 
Let me um, explain a little. Sometimes people say to me, oh, I don't know any non-Christians and, you know, as you were saying, I can't witness. Well, yes, you can. You can. God asks us to attest to him. And we are surrounded by people who are lonely, who are hurting. We are told to love people. And when we show an interest in them, people do respond because it's countercultural to be investing in people and to showing interest, show interest to them. Let me give you some examples. When we moved back from Tasmania, we moved into our very middle class street. And our welcome was a note put in my letterbox saying, do not park your car in front of your house because when I back, I'll probably back into it. The person on that side said to, uh, said to me, do not park your car in front of our house because we need a big, my wife needs a big thing to get into her driveway. The neighbours next door and the neighbours behind told us what plants they wanted us to remove from our garden. So I decided, okay, I was going to change this culture if I could. So whenever anyone moved into the street, I would go across with one of those cactusy plants, you know, that don't die. Um, there's a special word for them, but like, sorry. Succulents, thank you, I've been trying to think. Succulent, a succulent plant and a card to say welcome to the street. Um, sometimes they wouldn't be home, I just put it in the letterbox and leave the present on the doorstep. Then I'd go back a couple of days later. Um, how are you going? I'm Gaylene. I put the card in the letterbox. Um, is there anything I can do to, is there any, do you want to know where the doctors are or the dentists or whatever? Um, you'd, I'd be invited in. So I'd learn about their children, what their names were. I'd learn how old they were, what grades they were in. So at the beginning of the school year, it's a great idea to send a um, all the best for school, and this is why blank cards are brilliant, um, all the best for the school year. I'm praying that you will have a wonderful year and your teacher will be great, whatever. It's not just giving a card and waiting back for people to be free to come to church, but it's the card and the follow-up, another card and a follow-up, another card and a follow-up. I, at Christmas time, we sent, we put 21 Christmas cards in the letterbox. Uh, since nobody, I only knew the lady that had written the letter because she put her name on it. I didn't know anybody else. Um, and so um, the card went um, to our neighbours at number 20. Happy Christmas from John and Gaylene Harrower at number 18. So I did 21 of them. Now I got seven cards back. That's very good. 
Um, and then I knew seven people in the street and I could call them by name as I walked my dog. I could chat to them. Those that hadn't responded, when I saw, hello, I'm Gaylene. I, do you live, uh, if I saw them walking their dog, do you live in the street? Or I would say, oh, what a lovely garden you've got or something to make a conversation so that I could follow up if somebody got sick or uh, they're telling me they're going on a holiday, happy holiday. So it's not, I can never tell who's going to respond. I don't know people's hearts. I don't know their situation. Um, Neighbours from way down came along with their little family at one stage and said that their car had been stolen from their, from beside their house. So they were, you know, a bit rocky about that and, and very um, upset. And so uh, we said, sorry, we didn't, couldn't tell them anything, we hadn't seen anything. It was quite a way down the street. Um, but we, we went, they went on their way. And that night I went with a cake. I'm better in the paddocks and a farm than I am with a, in a kitchen. So I bought a cake and I went down with a card to say that, you know, we really felt very sorry. We were genuinely sorry for, for what had happened and that we wanted them to know that we would be praying for the next few weeks that God would fill them with peace and a sense of security and if possible that they'd get their car back. Um, so that was fine. I've put we're praying, we're Christian you know, they could guess that we're Christians. A few days later I go back to find out how the situation is going with the car. I get invited in. I meet the boys etc. Now going, the kids then would come down the street and I'd, I'd know their names, I might give them a little flower for mum, um, if it was their birthday I'd be told as children do and I'd go down with a card and a chocolate and another chocolate for the other kids so they don't miss out. And you, you know, and, and, and so I was building up that relationship. And then uh, during the school holidays in June at the church I was attending had this huge children's program and so I trotted down to mum and asked if it would be possible for the children to, to come and to the, the program that I would be there on the prayer team and that, that I'd be able to keep an eye on how they were going and so on. And she let me. And these are non-Christian people. So at Christmas time, along with the Christmas card, um, I was able to invite them and the guests in their home, staying with them, to come to Christmas services. It, it you know, it was natural. It was natural. Um, our Chinese neighbours in the street. I uh, at Chinese New Year a card and a gift. And I love mooncakes now, so moon festival, a, a gift. And they would give me mooncakes too, um, which was lovely. And so it was natural then that at Christmas and Easter they got cards from me because we're respecting each other and we could chat and talk. So those are things that I have done. Um, I. 
I um, have a friend called Margie who God is honoured because she really she really loves people and she wants to show the love of Jesus. Whenever Margie leaves her house, at the beginning of the day she prays, Lord God, show me the people you want me to speak to today. And she means it. And God puts the most amazing people in her path. She walks her dog, so dog walkers are always chatting to each other. And often over the time, people have told Margie about, you know, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling lousy today. And they'll tell Margie because, well, because God's in it. And she's prayed about it and she means it. Um, and Margie says often to people, I can't help you in this situation. I wish I could, but God loves you and he can help in this situation and I will pray and ask him to do so. Sometimes, usually often, she says, but would you like me to pray with you now? And she's prayed in supermarkets, she She's prayed in streets, she's prayed in a car when she saw her hairdresser crying in her car. Margie knocked on the window, asked if she could sit and talk. Isa was a lady down the street and Mar the lady praised Margie's dog. Margie loved her garden, they started talking. Each time Margie went past, she'd look to see how the garden was and so on. And one day Issa invited her in. So that start, then Margie asked her in to have a coffee. They're just down the street. They're not living in each other's pockets. She's just showing love and interest. And um, if people are going away on a holiday, how easy to say, oh, all the very best for your holiday. I'll miss seeing you around. All the best, oh God bless, Margie, whatever, uh, when they're coming back, a little. Great to see you've come back, would love to hear about your holiday. Would you like to come over for a coffee or whatever? God bless, Margie. Anyway, there was an art exhibition at our church, Margie invited Isa. Isa said, well, yeah, she'd be interested in that. Came along, saw the people, really enjoyed it. Asked Margie if she could come to church each week, and she did, and Isa became a Christian, a very committed Christian. Now, all Margie did was cards, follow-up cards, follow-up, and showing love and interest, which doesn't cost us anything, and we can all do it, and that's what God asks us to do. Um, another example is um, I have a friend who's very crippled. One day we were down at Forest Hill. Um, she was explaining to me that her hands are very crippled and she has trouble finding uh, or opening glasses, a glasses case. So I said, oh, well, this is our optometrist. I've been here. Why don't I go in and ask? So I did, and um, my optometrist, who I didn't know a great deal about, we'd only, I'd only been there once before, but I really liked this lady. She was a lovely Vietnamese lass. 
And um, she found a, 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 she took the time to find a, a case for, for my friend. So a couple of days later, I went with a card and a, and a little chocolate to say, thank you for what you did for my friend. I felt that the glasses case was a gift from God through her to my friend. God bless Gaylene. A week later, my husband went there to have his eyes checked. And she said, oh, oh, Harrower, Harrower, are you a Christian? That took courage. And John said, yes, 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 he was. And she said, oh, she said, I've been wanting to talk to somebody. How can I cope with being a mother, a daughter, a wife, and a professional person? I don't know how to do it. How do I cope with life? And they had a very meaningful conversation. About a few weeks later, there was the, this children's program. So I, because my car was full, I, um, I gave her a brochure and she very kindly thanked me for the brochure. I thought, oh, she probably won't come. Well, she did. The two girls came. They loved it. Um, the, at the end of the program, there was a, 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 a big service for all the children and the parents and those who'd been involved. And um, the children wanted to come to church, but the parents had bought a, um, tickets for a play. So, but the children were really cheesed off because they wanted to come to church. Now, it turned out, as I got to know Anne, that um, she was a Christian and she was really worried that her children weren't getting um, any teaching at um, this very small church that they were going to and she was concerned about that. So she even brought them to the children's program for CMS um, one year. Anyway, um, we moved away um, and I've lost a bit of contact. But uh, my granddaughter came home one day and said to me, oh, do you know, and she named the two little girls. And I said, yes, I'm, I'm the auntie of those little girls um, in their culture. And, and she said, well, they're coming to our church um, in Kew, big church. And they're coming to the church. And I said, oh, how do you know? And she said, well, they've come to church because they've moved to the area. And she recognised my surname Harrower and said, are you any relation to John and Gaylene? And to send her love. And she, she, they're now, and it was our granddaughter that was the Sunday school teacher. So that was a lovely lolly from the Lord. Um, the, uh, I got a, I often don't hear the results of when I'm speaking to churches, except I can tell those who are interested because of the, the cards they buy. But um, I uh, got a call uh, this, just after this Easter, at Easter at our church, which is Game Waverley Anglican Church, um, we send out cards to everybody who are floppy, in other words, who just come to church whenever it suits them, and to the people that haven't come back after COVID, and especially to our old folk 
who really cannot come anymore because they're not able to walk well or whatever. And we specially tell them that they are still remembered and are part of the GWAC family and we love them and we haven't forgotten them. And that means so much. Year after year we've done that. But for the floppies and the others, we send off the Easter cards and we always have very positive response. Not many but enough to encourage us. So this isn't you know, what I'm telling you, these stories. As I say, you've got to spread your, your, your seeds um, and, and you'll get some response as you pray. But um, I spoke at St John's Bentley just um, before Easter and put out the challenge and one lady bought six Easter cards and she deliberately sent them to people who weren't coming to ch or floppy or who weren't coming hadn't been at church for a while and of those six i didn't know anything about this the minister's wife rang and told me of those six three in single folk or couples returned to church now I haven't spoken to her for the last month or a couple of months, so I don't know whether they're continuing. But you don't know what seeds are being sown. Another church I went to, a man came up to me and he said, it works, it works, cards really work. And I've written this down. He said, I had a difficult colleague in my office, so I had bought one of your cards, and when my colleague needed encouragement, I gave it to him, and it changed the whole situation. Cards for witnessing works. I've found that quite a lot. Um, it is investment, but it's actually showing love to people, and that's what God tells us to do, to love God and to love our neighbours as ourselves. It's not expensive. You can put the cards in letterboxes. You don't have to write much, but do follow up and show an interest and use cards to keep showing this love. Sending cards is rather countercultural now. Everyone loves getting them, they just don't want to write them. Um, but it, it really does make, uh, it shows love and grace. And under God, with prayer, sowing lots of seeds, there will be then when you have something special at church, you'll have somebody to invite. And then pray and hopefully they will come in to whatever you're doing and find and feel the presence of Jesus. So thank you very much and um, thank you for listening to me. Oh, I just tell you, somewhere here there should be a cross. Oh dear. Oh, there. Oh, thank you. At my age it's hard to bend. Um, these are free. They're palm crosses. If you buy a sympathy card or a get well card, do take one. Um, it does mean if you're sending it, you have to double the postage. I'll be honest because I use these a lot. But if you're giving it to someone, please put it in the um, sympathy card or the get well card. The cross is a silent witness to Christians and to non-Christians.
So thank you very much. I've got more stories, but I think that's enough for one day. Thank you for listening to me.